Acclaimed singer-songwriter Justin Towns Earl has died at the age of 38. He... It was November of 2010. The exact date, I really couldn't tell you. But I can tell you where I was and what I was doing. It was early morning, and I was having a cup of coffee, listening to my satellite radio. I had it on a folk singer-songwriter station. Uh, my love for sad melodic music is really strong, and a lot of my friends and uh, acquaintances and family members will tell you that, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoy this really low-vibe, depressing-esque music. But when I discovered, or when I discover, sorry, new versions of music that I love, I dive deep and I get right into it. Listening to this satellite radio station, all of a sudden I was hit with this simple pick, a strum down and the tap of a guitar keeping the time. I went from reading my news that I had been reading to being captivated by this beautiful old school guitar sound I was hearing. It was reminiscent of classic folk picking uh, you used to hear in the 1930s, but with a more upbeat tempo. After two bars, this harmonica comes in and plays right off of the feel of the guitar. With the harmonica finishing off the last two bars and going into the next, this beautiful, soulful voice with a bit of twang comes rushing in, talking about it being Sunday morning, frying chicken, watching baby working in the kitchen. The first thing I did was start looking for the lyrics so I could follow along. The next minute, I was purchasing the album by Justin Towns Earl called Harlem River Blues. I was also searching to see if I could buy anything else by him on vinyl or anywhere else to find anything else that he had done. My love for his music and the life of the man grew itself. I went back and I picked up all his previous works up until Harlem River Blues and I would continue to purchase everything by Justin whenever a new album came out. With that, Babblers, welcome to week 12 of Nerd Babble, where we take a break from the creative mind that is Jim Henson and discuss the creative, wondrous, amazing mind of musician Justin Towns Earl. Justin was born January 4th, 1982, to mother Carol Ann Hunter Earl and father Steve Earl. Yes, the same Steve Earl. Justin is the son of musician Steve Earl, who christened uh, his son Justin with the middle name of Towns, after Steve's own mentor and idol, Towns Van Zandt. At the age of two, though, Steve left Justin and his mother Carol. Justin lived most of his young life with his mother in South Nashville, Tennessee, being inspired by the music and the Americana culture around him. Justin's life was never straight and narrow. It was common for him to drop out of school, 
so much so that by the time he was 15, after having called both his parents to ask if they knew where Justin was and both responding no, the truant officers of the county basically said, fuck it. It was common for Earl to tell stories while on stage of how he had been kicked out of all the schools around his county. By the time he was 15, having had missed so much school or just not caring, truant officers just didn't want to bother with him anymore. It was easier for them to just say, all right, he's not around. So by the time he was 15, he had dropped out of school. Well, at this point, though, Justin decided he might as well start doing little tours with and working for his father, Steve Earl. Justin had decided around this time to move to eastern Tennessee with other songwriters of the same mentality. Like his father, though, Justin had suffered with addiction problems early on in his young teen life and pre-teen life. Justin Towns Earl made sure that he himself paved his own path in Nashville, playing in two bands. The distributors were the rock and roll band that Justin played with during his teen years. But he also expanded his talents by playing in the Swindlers, a very ragtime bluegrass band. He also spent some time doing small acts with the Dukes, his father Steve Earle's band, lending his hands on guitar and keyboards. It was during these years that Justin himself would find his style, and define it. Hating the idea that anything nowadays could be called country, and you can see tons of videos of Justin saying this, anything released now is not country, and if you were to tell him different, he would tell you, you're wrong. Justin himself started blending so many styles, but making the base for it country and blues. Justin took it upon himself to mix styles such as folk, blues, rock, country, and adding some Americana feel to it to tell the stories. And this formed his own form of guitar playing. In 2007, Justin Towns Earl released his first EP called Yuma. The Yuma EP was a very low-key release. Having signed a contract with Chicago's Bloodshot Records, Justin released a simple 19-minute six-track EP. Going back and listening to Justin's first release is a treasure. Going back and listening to the tracks such as The Ghost of Virginia is like going back and taking a walk along the old path you used to walk when you were younger. Throughout the EP, you can hear that Justin is harboring on an explosive outburst, both lyrically and musically. At this point, he was 25, and the country tones are much more apparent than they would be later on. However, you can hear the undertones of the 12-scale blues that Hank Williams had introduced to country, but with more of a honky-tonk feel if that was even possible. The title track, Yuma, talks about a man who calls into work and stops into a bar where he orders a shot or two. He falls outside after two too, too many, and calls his mom, talking about how he misses his love and fears only being alone. The verse ends with him getting a postcard and signing it, fare thee well, and sending it back home to Yuma. It ends up that this poor soul crashed through the window of an old 98 and dies as he feared, 
alone. The feeling and the expression is so well felt that even though you can hear Justin, Justin's voice still progressing, it's hard to believe that it will ever be more than what it was or what it is from this. The EP continues with I Don't Care, discussing the fact that sometimes we lose track of where we're going and how sometimes, you know, we just don't care. Let the Water Rise is a soulful song about a girl cheating and the singer asking for the waters to rise to have his love returned, but ends up asking for the waters to also be cold and swift. The EP ends with a desolate angel's blues. And here is the best example of things to come from Justin Towns Earl. It's that country blues mix of both guitar and lyrics that Justin would become known for. Let the Water Rise is my favorite track from the EP. To me, it's the soul in Justin's voice that you can hear coming from the vocals and guitar on this track that just makes this song amazing and beautiful. <clears throat> it was really awesome writing this script for this episode. Because I went back and for each album as I was writing about it, I was listening to it. It was a great feeling to go back and listen to some of Justin's albums that I hadn't really listened to since I first got into them. And hearing these old classic songs to me were great. The Good Life is the debut full-length album released by Justin on March 25th, 2008 and was released by Bloodshot Records. The album was received fairly well by critics, with Julie Thankey of Pop Matters saying it was the best, best Roots release since Old Crow Medicine Show had released OCMS with the hit track Wagon Wheel in 2004. I'm going to get this out of the way right now. The chorus for Wagon Wheel was originally written by Bob Dylan in 1971 for Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. It was to go along with the um, knocking on heaven door knocking on heaven's door that was the album that it should have appeared on it was never finished old crow medicine show discovered this rare recording of it they took it upon themselves to finish the song they handed it to dylan dylan said go said okay go ahead and record it they recorded it the darius rucker version that you hear now that everybody thinks is the most popular is a cover Old Crow had been playing Wagon Wheel since 2004. I can't even tell you when Darius Rucker's came out, but you have to also have to remember is that the chorus for it itself has been around since 71. But I digress, and I will get back into Mr. Justin Towns Earl here. The album The Good Life starts with Hard Living, a pure, full-on, old-school country song. The album hits next with the self-titled track, The Good Life, and has that same old-school country feel. But then you get into Lone Pine Hill. It's the single off of the debut album, and it's no surprise why. Here, we hear the first real folk Americana roots that is Justin Towns Earl. His voice resonates with the likes of Lead Belly and Woody Cuthry, and the storytelling that is expressed throughout the song is reminiscent of early Bob Dylan and Canadian artist Gordon Lightfoot. 
The debut album progresses as it starts with blends and intermingles of both folk and country with that slight touch of the blues to really hit you. For a debut album, it's nothing short of a beautiful masterpiece. The second studio album released by Justin Towns Earl is called Midnight at the Movies and was released on March 3rd, 2009, once again, by Bloodshot Records. As was the reception with The Good Life, Midnight at the Movies received the same type of reception from critics. No critic found a reason to write home about the album, but none found a reason to discredit it either. So originally when I purchased this album, I couldn't find the right mood to listen to it. But I am forever grateful that I kept going back and listening to Midnight at the Movies. The album starts with its self-titled track and talks about the loneliest place in time is Midnight at the Movies. He describes all the faces you'll be bound to meet if you're spending the night alone at the movies. It's this really touching song, in my opinion, about this guy, and he ends up meeting a girl there who he knows, and she always comes at the same time, and they sit and they hold hands, but it's nothing really big. Talks about the guy sitting in the corner that's, you know, just there. He never really leaves. He's there before he, before Justin even gets there. It's just this really beautiful, old-school folk song because it's telling a story and I think that's what most of today's music is missing is a story behind it and that's why I I fell in love so much with Justin was it's so reminiscent of that old way of writing that when you wrote something even if it was about yourself you wrote a story behind it to lend the feeling to the song They Killed John Henry is the third track on the album and is a true nod to classic folk. Steve Earle, Justin's father, openly admits he was upset when Justin wrote this because he himself hadn't or hasn't written a song about John Henry. Mama's Eyes is a beautiful homage to Justin's mom, Carol Ann. Being compared so much to his father throughout his life and not having a great relationship with him Justin resented being compared to Steve. It's felt while listening to this track. But when you feel the love Justin has, when he mentions the fact that he has his mama's eyes, it just, it hits you. It's exactly what music is intended to do, and Justin Towns Earl never missed it. If he wanted you to feel something, you were going to feel it in that song. It may have taken me longer to get into this album compared to all the others, but Midnight at the Movies needs to be listened to by anyone, especially if you're a Justin Towns Earl fan. The first three albums are just a great example of a young man who was still trying to find his way in music. But every time this new album came out, it was something new. 
the picking style, the uh, the slap to keep the time, the strums that he was doing. Justin openly admitted openly admits that he had deformed his thumb and his right index finger from the way that he strummed and the way that he played. And you hear this again in the albums as he grows as an artist and the way the songs progress and the way they're written and the different time signatures and the dynamic of it when he takes a minute and he lets the horns that become more involved take over or when they're doing punches on certain beats. It's such a diverse wave of music and it all intermingles so well together, no matter the style or form that he takes, or no matter the genre he takes, sorry, whether it had been a 12-bar blues that he's doing, um, talking about, you know, a desolate angel, or it's a full-on old country with this high-scale picking. It's just incredible to see how even at a young age, and yes, okay, his father was a, is, or is, sorry, his father is a well-known musician. But to see this development from a young man who by the time Midnight at the Movies came out, he was 27, 28. So it's, no matter how long you've been playing, that even to release those tracks at that point in your life with everything, it's incredible. So on January 1st, 2010, the world was finally introduced to the guitar and vocals of Justin Towns Earl. This day is a huge date for the career of Justin. On January 1st, Justin would release his most successful and popular album. Harlem River Blue Harlem River Blues is the exact first representation of who and what Justin was as a musician and a human. Again, starting with the self-titled track Harlem River Blues, it talks about succumbing to depression and going uptown to the Harlem River to drown. The dirty waters are gonna carry me home and I'm not gonna make a sound. The lyrics are downright sad, but the upbeat pick-me-up tempo that comes with the lyrics, it makes you forget what you're even supposed to be thinking about. It's that mix sometimes that makes it so great. The upbeat, I am no way going to do it justice, and I don't have uh, my guitar, and I couldn't even do it justice justice if I tried to play but it's like Lord I'm going uptown to the Harlem River to drown dirty water's gonna cover me over and I'm not gonna make a sound it's upbeat even singing it now I may not have the music behind me but it's upbeat it has that feel Oh, you just it's the single that captivated everybody. Justin played it on Letterman. It was a big thing. After Harlem River Blues, you get One More Night in Brooklyn. It's the second track, and it speaks of spending one last night in Brooklyn with your love before 
moving on to the next city. It sounds simple, but again, as he writes the lyric and tells the story of this last night in Brooklyn, that's never going to match this feeling of a Tennessee spring, but it's something new. It's just so moving that you honestly get lost in listening to it. Move over mama can be related to any significant other who's come home after a long work week or after being on the road and all they want to do is lay down in their own bed. They get home and they realize their significant other is hogging the bed and they have nowhere to lie down. We've all been there and at some point we can relate. We've also been the person hogging the bed or the person, you know, sleeping on the couch afterwards or sleeping on the floor. (laughs) It's this really upbeat song and it's just cute because you can hear the love he has for the girl he's talking about. But at the same point, it's, you know, when I pull them covers, don't you give me that look. So, again, just one of those tracks that it really speaks to you when you hear it then you can kind of giggle and say yeah i've been there i know exactly what he's talking about the whole album is this amazing highlight it's just incredible for me but the sixth track is called slipping and sliding and it is by far my favorite on this album um In a live performance that you can find on YouTube, Justin discusses his addiction to cocaine and vodka and talks about having been to rehab so many times. He explains that the song Slipping and Sliding is about knowing the stuff is going to hurt you, but doing it anyways. I find this video to be almost sad, I guess. He's openly admitting his problem, and people cheer. It's slipping and sliding and feeling low. If you get a chance, you can type it in. It should be the second video, I believe, on YouTube of that song. But I warn you, you'll see a man who embodies the the feeling and the emotion of that song. It's just wow. Ain't Waiting is track number nine, and it is the track I spoke about in the intro that got me into Justin Towns Earl. Again, it's claimed to be his best work. I personally don't agree, but I get and I understand why it's considered to be his best work. Even Justin himself wouldn't agree with it being the best, uh, mostly because, again, he progressed as an artist with every album that he released. And I guess most artists would say that, that they only got better as they progressed with every album. Fans would disagree because, let's be honest now, fans want what they heard the first time or what they heard that got them into it. It doesn't always work like that. Sometimes you need to expand and change a little bit from Justin doing his first work where it's extremely extremely country to getting into more progressive stuff with blending all these genres he expanded and developed way more 
Nothing's Gonna Change the Way You Feel About Me Now is the fourth studio album released by Justin Towns Earl on March 26th, 2012. Once again by Bloodshot Records. Now if you ask me, this album, the one right here, it's Justin's finest work, personally speaking. There's something about this album that just hits me from beginning to end. The first track of my that lonely tonight is Justin singing about wanting or needing things that he usually wouldn't and wondering if he's truly that lonely. It starts off with him talking about his dad and hearing his dad playing a song on the radio and admitting that he just wants his dad to call and then thinking, well, am I really that lonely tonight that I want him to call it's uh it's a really good play and a really good feeling justin also includes a track called maria it's just an incredible song about remembering a girl who used to think of you as the only one and realizing that you'll never be that person I always wonder why Maria the name is used always for a girl who's going to break your heart. The boss used it in his album Devils and Dust, so Bruce Springsteen used it. And my goodness, for however long Counting Crows have been out, Adam Dirtz has been singing about a Maria forever. What has Maria done to have these songs written? I really like it. It's the fifth song or sixth song on the album. And from there, the album just hits you on so many levels in so many different ways. Uh, This song, Maria, is just, again, chef's kiss. Beautiful. Awesome. Again, it'll hit you. Maria is also the only song that Steve Earle ever complimented his son on, even if it was by mistake. After playing Maria at a show while opening for his father, Steve complimented Justin and the band, saying he he really enjoyed the cover of the Elvis Costello song, asking what the name of it was. Justin replied with Maria, Justin walked away and chuckled, knowing he wrote the song, not Elvis. This is great, because his dad thought it was so good that he thought Elvis Costello had written the song, and it was actually Justin. And whether that was a... It is a mistaken compliment. Uh, It was never really meant to be given, but ah, it's, it's just great. It's so cool that... He didn't even realize it, and yeah. Well, after Maria, you get into a really soulful jazz number called Down on the Lower East Side. The way I feel about this song is a lonely walk through the Lower East Side of any city, but it's this tired old town, another sleepless night. It keeps me wandering around. Down on the Lower East Side. Just so beautifully written. Um, Yeah. Won't be the last time. 
is exactly what the title implies. Knowing you've done something stupid or something unlike yourself, but admitting that you're probably going to do it again. Maybe I said something I shouldn't. Maybe I caused a scene. Maybe I broke myself a promise that I never meant to keep. But it won't be the last time. And as I wrote those lyrics, I get shivers. Or even saying those lines, I get shivers. I can hear the ache in Justin's voice and the cry of the violin in the track. It's truthfully so damn powerful. This next track, if you were to ask, is my most listened to track by Mr. Earl. I guess you'd have to consider it my favorite, but I don't know if it is. But it's for sure up there. Memphis is in the Rain is about traveling and trying to find change. It's all about trying to make a change no matter where you are, how you are, or what you're doing. I'm passing through the rain. I'm looking for a change. I'm passing through Memphis in the rain. Then you get into Unfortunate Leanna. It's a track about Justin picking up what seems like an ex. He asks her where they should go after she climbs into the back seat of his car. And she says, anywhere but where they are. She doesn't care where they go. She just wants him to drive. But it ends with Justin telling this Anna that unfortunately, it's not the world that needs to change. It's her. It's just heart-wrenching with emotion. The harmonies in this track are on point, and the progression to the music fits the vocals so well. Oh, yeah. This amazing album ends with a cover of a song called Automobile Blues. But before it ends, Justin breaks out into a track titled Moving On. Just like the song suggests, it's about moving on from the past, no matter how hard. Justin talks about going back and trying to find the moment his dad broke his mother's heart. But then just saying, I should forget it and learn to live with it and move on. Obviously, it's easier said than done, but it's still a great message. This album, I, I'm honestly, I'm never too sure how to speak more highly of it. From beginning to end, it just hits you. And it's always the one that I'll go back to first when I'm listening to him. Uh, three, I want to call them the three middle albums, which are uh, Harlem River Blues, mm-hmm. Nothing's going to change the way you feel about me now. And the next one, which is called Single Mothers and Absent Fathers, are the three that I go in between the most by him. Uh, not because I don't like the other ones. It's just I think these those three are the ones that speak to me the most. So on September 9th, 2014, we saw Justin release his fifth studio album called Single Mothers. But not long after, though, he released a follow-up album called Absent Fathers on January 13th, 2015. 
Justin openly admitted through his career that he had tons of mommy and daddy issues. And you'll find videos of him saying this at live shows anywhere. And this album is almost exactly that with more heartache behind it. You can hear everything Justin has dealt with, whether it be heartache or dealing with the problem he had to deal with having his parents separated and living two completely completely different lives, right? His mom's, his mom's, you know, doing what she can for him while he's living with her while his dad is off touring, fulfilling contracts because he's a musician. So what are you supposed to do? Single mothers, the track describes how both single mothers and absent fathers act towards their kids after a breakup. Well, from Justin's perspective and what he lived with himself, it's taken from the way he feels. It has a lot of emotion behind it and it has a lot of hate towards both sides in a sense. Uh, basically telling the dad to live up to the name of dad and uh, telling the mom that, yeah, it's hurtful, but you need to move on and get over it. Again, it's from Justin's point of view, and it was from what Justin, you know, was going through at the time, learning to deal with his parents uh, passing, or with his parents separating, not passing, but yeah, with his parents separating. So if you listen to it, it's obviously something that you have to keep an open mind with and not get upset and say, you know, not all single mothers are not, not all single mother, single mothers are like that. And not all absent fathers, not all fathers are absent, right? It's all open, but it's, it's still a great song and it has, again, tons of emotion in it. Picture in a Drawer is about talking to your mom after the worst breakup and her trying to help you and you just asking to talk about something else because the ex is now nothing but a picture in a drawer. The beautifully written chorus that hits you in every emotion you have it just gets you. This chorus just, yeah. Mom, if you don't mind, can we talk about something else? It's the way it starts. It's just, it's a breakup song. And if you've ever been through a breakup, you can relate to it. The track, White Gardenias, is the track that hits me every time I listen to it. It's just beautifully written with a chorus that hits you Again, in every emotion. Um, White Gardenias is a track that I had heard uh, before I bought the album. And at the time, it wasn't even a single. But I remember thinking, holy smokes, man, that sounds like a, that sounds like Justin. And then, sure enough, I saw that that was a song that was coming out on the album called uh, Single Mothers. Excuse me. Burning Pictures is a track representing the idea that sometimes you just take whoever you can 
to fill a void, to fill a gap. But at one point, you're going to get tired and start fires while burning pictures. It's just one of those things that, again, people can relate to. You've been so down with yourself. You've been so upset that you find a way to fill voids. And that's what this one's about. Really, really, really well-written songs with some great play on old sayings. These two albums have 10 tracks on each, and personally, I'm a bigger fan of Single Mothers. Absent Fathers has its highlights like Least I Got the Blues, Slow Monday, and Looking for a Place to Land. But there's just something about those first 10 tracks on Single Mothers that... Blow my mind, personally. Kids in the Streets is the seventh studio album by Justin Towns Earl and was released on May 26, 2017 on New West Records. It is the first album Earl recorded outside of his hometown of Nashville. Kids in the Streets was recorded with first-time collaborator and producer Mike Mogi, who you might know also from, um, yeah, Monsters of Folk. There you go. He was part of that uh, quartet. So Mike Mogi at Art Studios in Omaha, Nebraska. The album is the third and final part of a trilogy following Earl's Single Mothers, Absent Fathers, and Kids in the Streets is Earl's first release on New West Records. The first single from the album was Champagne Corolla, featuring a lyrical video directed by Tom Kirk. Earl himself noted the upbeat tone of the album, saying in an interview that he got married and I'm getting ready to become a father. This is the first record that I've written since I've been married. There's definitely an uplifting aspect to this record in a lot of ways. Because I'm feeling pretty positive. This record's more about looking outward on what's happening and writing about subjects like gentrification and inner city strife. Kids in the Street also has more of a soul influence to it. And it's got a deeper connection to the blues than anything I've done before. He himself noticed the progression that he had made in this. And it's so true. If you look at all the albums and their covers... Uh, up until Kids in the Streets, it's all Justin with a girl on the cover. Absent Fathers was the last one that he released with a girl on the cover because it was him and his wife, Jen. That was it. When Kids in the Street came out and it was just this, almost a selfie of Justin, people were kind of shocked at the album cover because it was strange to see Justin without you know, his wife by his, by his, or without a, a woman on the cover by his side. He himself says that it's the last time that he took a picture with a girl on the cover because the last time was his wife, and who else would you want around for that, right? Absolutely, sir. Kids in the Streets has 15 to 25, and it's a song about Justin's life between the ages of 15 to 25. And for a track that you would expect to bring you down it's actually really this really like upbeat kind of telling you you know don't do this shit don't do what i did 
it is much more upbeat and happy. And the soul in Justin's voice, like that old, that old soul singing, you can, you feel it. It hits you. It gets in your bones and gets in, gets in your chest. You feel those incredible tones that he was connected to with soul and the blues. Just beautiful. This is where it gets hard. Because um, unfortunately for us in 2019, it would mark the last album we would see released by Mr. Justin Towns Earl. On May 24th, 2019, The Saint of Lost Causes was released on New West, New West Records. The Saint of Lost Causes was the most well received album by Justin and the most talked about and evaluated by critics. Most critics had agreed when this album was released that it was a subtle mock on the American dream and how that American dream had failed. There was also reviews talking about Justin's dark take in contemporary American society. There was just so much going on in this album that people were trying to pick apart or find what he was writing about. There's so much, though. Ain't Got No Money is the second track, and... It, to me, it's just this really fun palm muting jam. The guitar hits and the soft harmonica with the band joining in. It's just this really fun song. Such a great tune, and it really just kind of takes you in to the album. Uh, Mornings in Memphis is a slower paced track that you know Justin was known for playing. And it, again, hits on the emotions. But it's about enjoying those mornings in Memphis. It's not sad. The lyrics are happy, and it's about, again, enjoying this time. Frightened by the Sound is a lovely, peaceful track. And a cool take on Justin's deeper side of his vocals. His range drops a lot in this song uh and there's nothing wrong with it it's beautiful again it was just something different he was going about things differently with his daughter having been been born and being married and cleaning up almost steve earl so justin's dad in the end gave justin the biggest compliment he could this year, on January 4th, Steve Earle released an album titled JT, which is an 11-track album of Justin's songs. The album includes covers of songs such as They Killed John Henry, because he was angry that Justin wrote a song about John Henry and he didn't, uh, Lone Pine Hill, and Steve does an amazing take on the song. But the best track that he covers is Maria. And the reason for this is because, again, he complimented Justin thinking it was somebody else's song. So it sucks that he couldn't have done this when Justin was alive. But as soon as Justin passed away, Steve started getting these songs together and wrote this, or sorry, didn't write, but made this really great album uh, dedicated to the memory of his son. Earlier this month in March, we got a single release by Justin Towns Earl and Don Lands, which had been recorded 10 years prior. 
the track is a cover of Dolly Parton's, um, what is it now? I'm blanking here, guys. I'm sorry. Oh, Dolly Parton's Do I Ever Cross Your Mind. That's right. And it's a really pretty cover. I'm sorry. I forgot the the name of the track there. But it starts off with the, the doo-doo-doos at the beginning. And uh, it's really, really great. Uh, and the blend and the harmonies, obviously, between the two doing this is yeah, beautiful. Like I already stated and like you heard, uh, Justin had an addiction problem at a very young age to so many substances just being around the life with his dad and where he was as far as growing up with his mom. Um, yeah, he started using drugs at the age of 12. He went to rehabilitation nine times for both drugs and alcohol he had a relapse in 2010 and in 2016, returned, got better, came out and released those two, let's call them happy albums, I guess. In 2013, though, Justin married Jen Marie Maynard, uh, and they were blessed with a little girl named Etta James Earl on June, uh, in June of 2017. So... I can remember waking up on August 20th, 2020, which was a Thursday, and checking what I like to call my nerd news. Uh, the first I read was that Justin Towns Earl was found dead in Nashville, Tennessee at the age of 38. It was announced by his record label through social media. That's how everybody found out about it. Then... People started picking up and discussing it. The cause of death was not immediately announced, but the police said they were investigating and had suspected it to be an overdose. On December 1st, 2020, Justin's family announced that he had passed from an accidental overdose due to cocaine that had been laced with fentanyl. I remember reading it at first and not believing it. I remember posting about it, his passing, explaining how I truly just didn't believe it. I can't praise the mind and the voice of Justin Towns Earl enough. His style of play, the way he composed his lyrics, how he kind of poked fun at certain things. He himself openly admitted he was a smartass, and even in his music, you could hear it sometimes. Well, Mr. Earl, as I said on the day you passed, I hope your spirit is passing through Memphis in the rain and you've found some peace. With that, Babblers, we come to an end of episode 12, a babble about the great Justin Towns Earl. Hopefully if you guys have discovered a new artist you might want to take a listen to or you just got some cool information about an amazing person. Well, next week, we take a little walk to a place that taught us about uh, our letters our numbers and showed us how we can be friends with everyone so come and play where everything's a-okay and let's be on our way to where the air is sweet and let me tell you how to get how to get to sesame street actually i, I don't 
have any idea how to get to Sesame Street, but maybe we can figure it out together. So until next week, babblers, Babylon.